Cards and Gambo, live at the Ainsworth Downtown on Sunday, presented by Michelob Ultra. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, big day right across the street at Footprint Center. We've got the first game of the Sun season coming off a franchise record 64-win season and, of course, a very bitterly disappointing loss. The offseason, Dallas Mavericks in the playoffs and the offseason that followed with everything that happened. So much to talk about with the Suns basketball team. Earlier in the show, we had a conversation with the general manager of the Suns, James Jones. A lot to talk with him about. Jake Crowder and Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton. Here is that conversation for you. Let's just talk about the West. Jamal Murray's back. Kawhi is back. Zion is back. Rudy's in Minnesota. Man, it doesn't get any easier. This West is loaded. Man, it's, it's exciting. If you're a basketball fan, um, you have to love what's happening across the league. Uh, I think you see a lot of good teams, a lot of good players. Um, it's exciting, and, and it's, it's fun. It's fun to be a part of it. It's fun to watch, but more importantly, it's going to be fun to compete in the Western Conference this year because I think uh, if, if you can make your way through it, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be a really good team. That's a gauntlet. We had Mikael Bridges on the show yesterday, and we, we talked about Cam not getting the extension, and, and he said he, he felt worse for, for, for Cam than Cam did. Cam said everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. Give me your thoughts on, on not being able to agree to an extension with Cam. Did you feel like you guys were close at any point? Yeah, I mean, I thought we had some really productive conversations, and and uh, it's one of those things where there's mutual interest on both sides, and you don't get it done now, but, you know, we look towards the future. We, we know that Cam's a big part of what we're doing. He's going to step into a starting role this year and play tremendous uh, basketball, and uh, we'll be talking again next summer about how we keep him here for the long, long term. Yesterday after practice, he had cited the uncertain ownership situation as maybe, he called it interesting, and said it made the conversation conversations interesting. How much of that was a factor in your negotiations? Not sure about the ownership situation? How'd that factor in, James? I mean, it's one of the factors. It's, it's not the overriding factor, but you, you look at it and say, you know, what does the next ownership group look like? You know, what's the direction they want to go? Um, like, are we at a different stratosphere? Um, are we, you know, continuing to, to, to build internally? Are we going to add, you know, something externally? And, and then just getting an understanding and having an understanding of, of who will be leading your franchise for a player like Cam. Um, and you talk about committing to a franchise long term. I thought, I think, and I still believe that's exciting for him. So um, it was a factor. Um, it didn't prevent us from doing anything, but it's definitely something that, that we both talked about and he thought about. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, he has a tremendous belief in his ability, and uh, we just couldn't come to an agreement. I was just, just to be clear, you had the authority as the general manager to sign Cam to a contract extension if you two could have agreed on a number, though, correct? Yeah, if we could have agreed. We, we would have been able to... to 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 sign him and, and, and get him locked in with us for a while, but it didn't happen, and we'll look towards next summer. Okay. Let's talk about the, the situation you guys are in right now with Jay Crowder. He's not he's not with the with the team. He's not going to play. It's been three three plus weeks now where there's been the ability to trade him. Something that you're looking at that he's looking at. Why has a deal not gotten done at this point? No, we just haven't we haven't found uh, a deal, or we haven't been able to to, to execute one. Uh, we have options, and we're working through those options. But our real focus has been on you know this adjustment, this transition um, with our lineup, and and the expected increase in role for for a lot of our guys, and, and those guys playing differently. Uh, so it's something that we'll monitor, it's something that we'll address. But for us right now, um, it's just one of the things that we're we're focused on this season. You've always been a patient guy. Is 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 this an and obviously you're not in a rush to trade him if you're not going to get the right deal. But do you anticipate that something will happen sooner or later? I can't tell you. Um, you know, this this thing is it's amazing how this, this league works. Um, things can change in a day. Things can change in an hour. Uh, if I try to forecast when, uh, I'd be disingenuous. But for us, when, it, when the opportunity presents itself, uh, we'll, we'll execute it. You know, we'll jump on it and we'll make a move and, and we'll continue to build forward. I know you pretty well. You've, you've done an amazing job. You and Monty are building an incredible culture here where guys want to be here. Other guys want to come play here. And, and that has 
has a lot to do with, with the culture that, that you've built with the Phoenix Suns. And I, I've known you to always be a guy. If a guy doesn't want to be here, you're, you're not going to want him to be here. So with that being said, were you somewhat surprised when, when he uh, informed you that he, that he didn't want to be a part of the organization anymore? No, I mean, I think it was an ongoing conversation where we just thought about, like, in the long-term interest of the player and the franchise, and, like, where were we trending? And, you know, to Jay's credit, Jay's a pro. You know, it's not like Jay refuses to be a part of this. We just decided that for him and for us, it's best if we pursue, you know, alternative options so that, that both both groups can move forward uh, with clarity. James, last one on Jay, and, and then I want to ask you about the the roster that you've got going into the Oprah tonight against Dallas. Any chance at all of him coming back, or has that door been closed and locked? Um, I, I never say never. I mean, I just, as of today, you know, we're still pursuing other opportunities. So okay. That could change, but I'd say right now um, we'll pursue other opportunities. Lots of James Jones, general manager of the Suns, our guest here. Opener is tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. We're all excited about it. Gambo and I are right across the street from Footprint Center, and we'll both be there tonight. What are, what are you the most curious to see about your team tonight? Because there have been some subtle changes off the bench. It's going to look different. What are you the most curious to see about this version of your basketball team tonight, James? Uh, just how we start and how we finish. You know, I, I want to see if, if the things that we've done in practice, um, you know, the, if the word carries over. Um, i just love to see us come out and compete tonight. You know, we know this is game one of 82, but you always want to start the season off right. You always want to start off um, to your standard. And so if we can go out here tonight and play with energy and, and just really compete, um, that's that's good because I think if we do that at home with our crowds, um, with our continuity and chemistry, we should be in a really good spot tonight. What do you expect from DeAndre Ayton? After the deal got done, you matched the max offer for the offer sheet from Indiana. What what are your expectations for DeAndre for this season? Um, I think DeAndre has taken leaps offensively, defensively. I, I expect him to continue, you know, to try to level up his offensive game. Um, but I know he'll be excited about playing tonight. Um, he always is excited about opening night, especially playing against Dallas. You know, him and Luca, uh, draft mates, good friends, guys that uh, have same representation, um, really good competitors. And so I, I think tonight he'll be great. But going forward, he, he understands we need him to be really good for us to reach our potential. Jock Landale is a guy who impressed all of us in in the preseason with, with how he played. That that was one of your offseason gets in free agency. He's a guy. I think he's. I always describe as just different, right? He's different than most of those centers with his abilities and what he can do. How much of a factor do you think he will be on that bench? I mean, he's he's brought he's brought something different to us. He's brought a different skill set, but he's also brought a different level of intensity. I mean, Jock will be the first to tell you he's a guy that knows his limits and he pushes them every minute he's on the floor. Um, so I just like that. He's he's not what we're accustomed to. He's not a guy that's been here, um, a guy that has any expectation that it'll be easy. He knows he has to go out there and fight for it, and that's been a good injection of desperation into this group because, you know, like like anything, over time, things can get stale, and so he, he keeps it fresh for us. James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, by promoting Cam Johnson to the starting lineup, you've now taken one of your top bench scorers out. Are, are, what's your level of concern when it comes to scoring off the bench, pop off the bench when the season starts, James? Well, you know, we'll have to figure that out because like the progression of the team is you, you have to, at some point in time, you have to you have to make change and you have to progress. And, you know, that, that's one thing we've been really good at over the last couple of years is having great bench depth and, and guys always step up. So I expect guys to step up. Um, but, you know, if you still have five or six good players, you can play with lineups and get your starters playing against bench units. And even though your starters are scoring, they're scoring, they're giving you bench points. So I think that's that's the opportunity in front of us. Uh, we're, we're in a situation where we can learn to use our starters as, as reserves so that we can have balance across both units. I think that one of the reasons that, that Chris struggled against the Mavericks, to me, it's just, I think it's just the every play and every, every day, every other day. I mean, it was so many games that you guys played every other day from the New Orleans series through the Dallas series, and that can wear on an older player. Your thoughts on, on what, what, what the organization will do to try to preserve Chris as best they can in the regular season. What will we see differently this year with him? 
I mean, well, we'll we'll try different things, but I mean, I, I go back to the postseason. It's not a Chris Paul, 37, 38 year old thing. I think we've seen players throughout the the playoffs. I think I can point to Jason Tatum, guys who struggled in the playoffs, and it's not because you know fatigue. It's just because they're playing against really really good players. They're playing against the best competition, and so you have to get you have to give kudos and take your hats off to the teams with really good players that play better than yours. So we'll talk about how we rest them. Um, but this isn't one of those things where you can just say, if you rest him in February, he'll be ready in April. You know, you have to build towards that ability to play that way. And so in some instances, we'll have him playing high-minute games consecutive nights or two games and three nights so we can kind of program him for what it'll look like in the playoffs. But that's just not him. That's all of our guys because we've seen the same thing with some of our younger guys where they struggled in the playoffs. And, and that's not age. You know, that's really competition and, and situation. That was James Jones from earlier today with us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. A lot of stuff in there. We'll react to a little bit of it when we come back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We react to what he had to say about Crowder and Johnson and Aiton and also about championship windows, both for the Suns and for the Dallas Mavericks. That's coming up next here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, live at the Ainsworth Downtown on Sunday, presented by Michelob Ultra. Arizona Sports. All right, just because we're both a couple of seam heads here, uh, I feel compelled to give you quick updates on what's going on with the baseball postseason right now. Phillies-Padres game two of the National League Championship Series. The Padres bottom of the eighth. They're beating the Phillies by a score of eight to five. Reese Hoskins got one back for the Phillies in the top of the eighth to make it a three-run deficit. But that game is in the bottom of the eighth right now. San Diego trying to even the series 1-1. Yankees and the Astros is underway. Game one of the American League Championship Series, and the Yankees are already up one nothing against Houston. Harrison Bader, solo Again. home run in the Again. top of the second. I believe Again. that's his fifth of the postseason. Harrison fourth of the Bader's postseason. On fire! Yeah, he's, he's he's having a great postseason. It's so funny, you never know what acquisitions of the trade deadlines are going to be the ones that help you win series like this. You know, you, you look at the trade deadline and you go, "That guy's going to help that team. That guy's going to help that team." But you never really know until you know. I don't think anybody thought Harrison Bader was going to be the key to anything. He's been huge for the Yankees so far. This There's always season. these obscure players yeah. that kind of come always. out of nowhere to do always. something for you. Yep, it always seems to be that way, so we'll get you updated on that. Um, again, our thanks to James for joining us. James Jones, General Manager of the Suns, and we're going to talk to him most Wednesdays during the season. We obviously had a lot to talk to him about. We hadn't really heard him on the record about the Jay Crowder situation recently or the Cam Johnson situation recently. He would not fully close the door on a Jay Crowder return, but I don't want to give anybody false hope. It didn't really sound like it was much of a possibility. It was more Jay saying, I never want to say never, but it's probably I'd rule that out based on that conversation. It it seemed like it was... Yeah, it was... I mean, we're talking about it. He just left he, the door open he, a crack. But he wanted to leave it open because yeah. he's a never say never guy, you know. But he made it pretty clear that they're gonna they're gonna trade him. In fact, I'll, I'll play the cut for you. Um, could he be back on the roster? This is what he said. I never say never. I mean, I just as of today, you know, we're still pursuing other opportunities. So okay. that could change. But I'd say right now, um, we'll pursue other opportunities. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, Look, it's three weeks. Am I surprised that they haven't pulled the, the trigger on a trade? Yes. Yes. Okay, we're not talking about trading a $20 million salary. We're not trying to. We're not talking about trading a guy who's got four years left on his deal. We're talking about a guy in the final year of his deal for $10 million. It should be the easiest trade, easiest trade to make. Should be. Here's James Jones as to why no Jay Crowder deal yet. We haven't found uh, a deal or we haven't been able to, to, to execute one. Uh, we have options, and we're working through those options. But our real focus has been on... You know, this adjustment, this transition um, with our lineup and, and the expected increase in role for, for a lot of our guys and, and those guys playing differently. Uh, so it's something that we'll monitor and it's something that we'll address. But for us right now, 
Um, it's just one of the things that we're, we're focused on this season. You know, and I, I hate it when we play cuts from an interview because I think about questions that I wish we'd asked them. I wish we had asked them, okay, I get it. You're focusing on the guys that are here now and the new roles you're asking them to play. But doesn't the player you're going to get for Jay factor into that? Sure. Right? I mean, of course. I mean, yeah, you're trying to figure out your best bench rotation and who's going to play with who and do what. But presumably, the guy you get in a Jay trade is going to be a big part of that. And I would think the sooner you get that guy in, the better. So nobody has to kind of relearn what their roles are when the guy actually gets here. It could be very easy that they're not getting a good enough offer and that they feel like, you know, where you know, you guys think we're backed against the wall and we have to trade them. So you're, you're, you're not offering me what I want. And I'm going to hold out a little bit longer and prove to you that I'm going to be patient through this because there are teams out there that Jay Crowder could help. Jay Crowder could help these, you know, Cleveland. He could help Atlanta. He could help some of these teams. You know, there's other teams, you know, that like the Jazz would love to get off of Clarkson, and they'll take Jay Crowder and a and a pick for him. You know, but you don't want to give up your first round pick. So, like, I I really do think it's being patient and making sure that he gets the right trade for a good player like Jay Crowder. As far as Cam Johnson, the deadline came and went, no extension. Uh, Cam Johnson yesterday when meeting with the media said. It was interesting dealing with you know the Suns when the ownership situation is unresolved, and certainly that was kind of a, a part of all of this. We asked James about ownership and whether that was a factor in the CAM negotiations. One of the factors, it's, it's not the overriding factor, but you, know, you look at it and say, you know, what does the next ownership group look like? You know, what's the direction they want to go? Um, like, are we at a different stratosphere? Um, are we, you know, continuing to, to, to build internally? Are we going to add, you know, something externally and, and then just getting an understanding and having an understanding of, of who will be leading your franchise for a player like Cam. Um, and you talk about committing to a franchise long term. I thought, I think, and I still believe that's exciting for him. So um, it was a factor. Um, it didn't prevent us from doing anything, but it's definitely something that, that we both talked about and he thought about. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, he has a, a tremendous belief in his ability and uh, we just couldn't come to an agreement. Nothing prevented us from getting a deal done. So what I reported last week that they they were not there was nothing that would have, that would prevent James Jones and that group from getting a deal done with Cam Johnson if they were able to strike a deal. Now, obviously, they've talked about it like, hey, we don't know who the owner is going to be. I don't know. You don't know if that if that was a factor. It was probably more on the Cam side than it was the James Jones side. I'm listening to that answer again, and I, I got a, I think I got a pretty good guess about how this might have gone down. And this is just a guess: James Jones to Cam Johnson. We don't know who our owner is going to be next year. We don't know how. Deep they're going to want to go in the luxury tax. This is what we are comfortable offering you right now. This this is the amount that we're comfortable with, but from your perspective, Cam, a year from now, we might have Jeff Bezos as our owner. We might have Bob Iger as our owner. And that might be a person who's willing to go deep, 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 deep in the luxury tax. And it not that James would say it'd be in your better interest to wait, but James might have suggested right now this this is the best we're gonna do, not knowing what our ownership situation is. That could dramatically change a year from now, depending on who buys this organization. And Cam, in that circumstance, might have looked at it and said, Okay, I'm I'm gonna sure the Suns offered him a lot of money, but he's probably looking at it like maybe a year from now when a new owner comes in and the cap and goes the cap's up. going to go up in TV, a couple of years. TV money coming in. It, that, that it, you know what? Maybe it is in my best interest to just wait one more year and not take this offer now because I'm sure it didn't prevent the Suns from making deal with Cam, but I'm sure it limited what they could offer him. Right? They don't know. They don't know what the new owner, how deep they're going to want to go into the luxury tax. They don't know that. And so I, I can't imagine it didn't put some sort of a restriction on what the Suns offer to Cam could be. I can't imagine it didn't. I, I still believe that they, if they could have came to an agreement between the two sides, they would have been able to get it done. I think that Cam betting on himself is is true. I think that the agent probably telling Cam that the money's going to be greater in a year than it is now. Look, we had Mikhail Bridges on the show yesterday. Hey, do you regret it? Like, if you would have played it out, you would have got a lot more money. But, you know, he, he didn't because Mikhail last year was 
you know, he was one of the best defensive players in the entire NBA. We thought he could win Defensive Player of the Year. You put that and you go into free, free agency with that on your, under your belt, like, it probably would have led to more money for him. Yeah. When we come back, he is the most interesting man on the New Orleans Saints roster. And the Cardinals, job number one tomorrow night is neutralizing him. We'll tell you how they're going to do that or how they're going to try next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, live at the Ainsworth downtown on Sunday. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, that's us. We're at the Ainsworth across the street from Footprint Center where we're an hour and a half away from tip-off between the Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. We'll be with you uh, on the air till 6.30, walking you right up until Suns pregame coverage. Then, of course, Gambo, this time, at exactly this time tomorrow, the Suns and the or the Suns, the Cardinals and the Saints will have just tipped off their game at State Farm Stadium. And um, the game, first of all, we've already acknowledged, must-win game. You went on New Orleans radio today. They feel the same way about it from same their way. perspective same as way. we do yep. like if you lose this one you're you're in a you're in a deep load of trouble we've spent so much time all week really talking about the Cardinals offense and their struggles because they were just so pronounced against Seattle's god awful defense okay but there's another way that we and, and certainly getting Kyler Murray on track and the offense on track and the return of D Hop that's a big big deal tomorrow night but there's another way we've got to look at this game tomorrow Vance Joseph has his defense playing at a very very high level. The Saints come in here and yeah, they're beat to hell at the wide receiver position. They are banged up. They ran for 228 yards on the Cincinnati Bengals and they have a couple of guys that the Cardinals are going to have to account for both on the ground and through the air and that's Alvin Kamara and that's Taysom Hill. Two guys who just have been balling the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm a a little concerned about this with the back-to-back 200-yard games and how they attack defenses with, with Kamara and in hell. Uh, you know, Kamar in the last two games, he missed two weeks with a rib injury, but he's got 103 yards on the ground in one of those games, 99 in another. He leads the team in rushing with over 300 yards, and he missed two games. And then, you know, you, you take a look at him and his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I mentioned this yesterday. He's got 12 catches on 15 targets in the last two games. We did talk about that yesterday. Um, now, he hasn't have a touchdown as a runner in the end zone, but he can really do a lot of damage. And then how do you, how do you account for Tate some hill. Like, I don't know what you do. He's second on the team in rushing with 267 yards, and he's got five touchdowns. He's averaging over 10 yards a carry. So, you know, obviously that means that teams are not aware that he's going to run the ball if he's averaging 10 yards a carry. Nobody averages 10 yards a carry, and then you look at him when he gets under center. Is he going to run or is he going to throw? He's thrown the ball five times for a touch, three, three out of five for 38 yards and a touchdown, so he could also throw the ball from where he is. And then you got Mark Ingram, a veteran back, who's the third running back. He's got 190 yards rushing this season, so he's still a guy. So there's a lot and then you split Kamara out wide. There's a lot. If I'm Vance, there's a lot of stuff I've got to worry about with this offense. Yeah, Vance Joseph yesterday spoke about Taysom Hill and what the Cardinals are going to have to try to do to stop him. And he's still doing those same things. I mean, he had 200 yards rushing like in Seattle and like four touchdowns, so that's, that's a problem because he can throw the ball, so it's not really a wildcat. It looks like Wildcat. It presents that way sometimes, but he's also playing tight end. He's also playing some slot receiver, I guess they call it. But um, he, he's a chore. You know, to have a plan to stop him as a runner and as a thrower. You know, I mean, you can't always load it up and play across the board zeros with the quarterback running game because he he can't throw the football. So we'll see how it uh, comes out on. Now, yeah, you know, I want to be cautious about this too. Yeah, the Saints ran for 228 yards last week against the Bengals. They lost. You know, I mean, it's not. And they still have a real sketchy situation at quarterback. Probably going to be Andy Dalton tomorrow. But there's Just, no wide wide receivers. That's well, why they're throwing the ball so much. And, and, no, and one of the tight ends are going to be out. Yeah, the Troutman. two top receivers are going to be out. That's why they're running the ball so That's much. That's why they're running the ball so much. I, I guess, to me, the concern on this game, from the Cardinals' defensive standpoint, is that most of the season we've talked about Vance's ability to say, who's the best player on the opposing offense? We're going to take him out of the game. Usually, outside of Christian McCaffrey, that player has been a wide receiver, right? Usually it's, okay, we're going to take D.K. Metcalf out. We're going to take Devontae Adams out. We're going to take Cooper Cup out. It's a little different when it's Kamara, and it's a little different when it's Taysom Hill. I think if Taysom Hill 
more like a tight end than I do anything else. And then I think about the Cardinal struggles against tight ends at huh. time this yeah. year. And I, I just I worry about this being a different kind of how do you take away their best player offensively kind of a task, right? Like when it's a wide receiver, feel good about Byron Murphy and their ability to do that. But this one's just a little different so for you me put with Murphy, what they do. do you put, you, so you put Murphy on Alave. Chris Alave is yes. going to be back. He's the rookie first-round choice he, out of Ohio State. He's got 25 catches, 389 yards. He's been targeted 42 times. He's got great deep ball skills. Um, so he's a, he's a matchup problem for them. So, uh, But you'll put Murphy on him and try to take him out, and then you've got to just gear up. And, you know, whether you try to stop Kamara or be a, you just got to be aware of Hill because if, if you're not ready for him, he's capable of burying you like he did in that game against Seattle. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and that's I guess that's my concern is that Olave is he's good. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's the biggest threat you have to worry about tomorrow. I think the biggest threat is is Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. I, but, I think, but if you had to pick one, which one's the bigger threat? I'm, Hill scares me to death. Because he's so different? Because he's just so unique. He's so different. And I think he's more in the line of the skill set of a player that typically gives the Cardinals trouble. Yeah. He's more of a, to me, he's more of a tight end type of player. And those players have just given the Cardinals a hard time. Um, We'll see. I mean, it's, it's, now we know the injuries, and you mentioned them a second ago, but I'll mention them again right now for people in our audience who haven't heard. The Saints have ruled out a whole bunch of guys. Wide receiver Michael. Thomas won't play. Wide receiver Jarvis Landry won't play. Guard Andrus Pete won't play. And that's a big loss for them on the offensive line. J.J. Watt might be able to really feast on that. You mentioned the tight end. Adam Troutman, not going to play. Corner Marshawn Lattimore, not going to play in the game as well. And of course, this is kind of a typical Thursday night injury report. you got a lot of guys sitting. From the other standpoint, man... Offensively, okay, we keep talking about DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray finding DeAndre Hopkins, and maybe he's the thing that fixes everything. One thing we saw last week was Kyler Murray was under constant duress behind an offensive line that was giving up all kinds of pressure, and I'm worried about that because Rodney Hudson's already been ruled out for this game. We already know Justin Pugh's out for the season, and I'm worried that same offensive line that really struggled last week, really struggled to protect Kyler Murray, is going to have a hard time again this week because they're missing their center and they're missing their left guard. Yeah, I don't know if that pass rush is great this year, New Orleans. But neither was Seattle's. No, it's true. Going it's in, true. it's not like Seattle had a great one either, you know? It is true that they Seattle's had some problems defensively and on a short week and trying to figure things out and they're banged up and they're two and four and their season's on a line and without so many key players. You know, do they have the ability? Look, of their 11 remaining games, only one comes against an opponent with a winning record. Only one. So they've got a schedule that may play favorable for them. Um, Talk about I, the Saints now. The Saints. Okay. The Saints. So they may feel like if they can get a win here, they'll be in good shape. But I do I do want to, you know, their defense is, you know, is, is, has not been good. And without a lot of their key players in this game, you know, I, I look at them defensively. They're, they're 28th overall in, in points allowed per game. And they 17th in total yards and 20th in rushing yards given up. And you look at their talent and you say, okay, their defense this year, their best defenders have been their linebackers. The linebackers have been good. But you take out a guy like Marshawn Lattimore, it's, it's it really it really hurts their ability to cover some of those guys down the field. Yeah, no doubt. And so, uh, and then of course for the Cardinals, the return of DeAndre Hopkins. If you missed it from earlier, James Conner, game time decision. Matt Prater, um, I, I will never not care about a kicker ever again. It matters. It's a big deal. Matt Prater is a game time decision for tomorrow. That could be a big deal in that game. And if we're really hitting zoom out on this one, we've mentioned this a couple times. It bears repeating. You don't win at home tomorrow, and your next opportunity will have come a full calendar year after you have won the last game at home. A full 365 days. Now, I mean, look, they should have been motivated to end this streak a long time ago anyway. I can't imagine. Can you the idea of it's been 370 days, 375 days? No, I can't days? believe that a team that went to the playoffs last year has this type of losing streak at home. They won 11 games last year. Right. They went to the playoffs. How did they have an eight-game losing streak? 
at home. Defies logic. It, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make, make any, any sense. sense. No, it doesn't yeah. make any sense at all. I mean, how can you? Have, I mean, how can you be an eleven win team last year and you got an eight game losing streak that dates back to last year at home? Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of embarrassment there for Michael for the organization that they can't win games in front of their fan base. And yeah, I mean, it depends on how that game gets played tomorrow. I mean, listen, I, me and you know we're gonna be looking at we're gonna be looking at our phones on Friday if they lose that game. We're oh, gonna yeah. Friday morning. Anything? Okay, hit refresh, refresh, oh, refresh. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, there's no two and five, and humili- if you get humiliated at home in this game, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. But look, I thought they were going to win, but I thought they were going to win the Seattle game easily. So did I. I thought they would go in. I thought they were going to take. They looked if they were five and two in Seattle in the previous seven games, and Seattle wasn't very good. I thought they were going to go in there and take care of business, but they, they didn't. Final for Major League Baseball: Padres evened up the series against the Phillies. They won eight to five that series in the National League Championship Series, all tied up one game apiece. Top of the third, the Yankees and the Astros are tied 1-1. And I saw a stat on Justin Verlander, and I just want to confirm it. Justin Verlander has already thrown 55 I'm looking pitches. at it right now. It's a third inning. 55 pitches, and he's got one out in the third. He ain't going to last very long. Go Yankees. I can't believe I'm yeah. saying that. He'll be over Yankees. you know, this game. So he's averaging, you know, he'll be over 60 after this inning. He's probably it's probably a five-inning game for him right yeah. now. Go Yankees. Let's go Yankees. Seven Booker, how much headroom does he have to grow his game, or is he already hitting a ceiling? We'll talk about that coming up here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Boy, what's on tonight? There's a lot on tonight. Uh, I just gave the score. Nice meeting you. Yeah, I just gave the score a second ago. Uh, 1-1, top of the third right now, the Astros and the Yankees. That's on tonight. NBA basketball galore is on tonight. In fact, I'll just tell you right now, some of the... um, Paulo Banchero already has 14 points and rebounds, but the Pistons are beating the Magic 84-75 in his NBA debut. NBA debut. Uh, How about that kid from Sacramento? I want to. He's Keegan Murray. Oh yeah, I think he's going to be dynamic. I can't wait to see him play. Pelicans are beating the Nets on the road, 58 to 50. Valanciunas 13 points, eight rebounds. Kevin Durant, he who could have been a son, maybe possibly 21 points, one rebound in that game. A lot of NBA action tonight. John Morant's putting on a show already for the Grizzlies. He's got 18 at the half. The Grizzlies have put up 61 on your Knicks. 61-46 right now. Uh, and then tonight we get to see the return of Jamal Murray. Uh, they take on the Jazz. Lots, lots of NBA action tonight. The MLB playoffs continue tonight. And, of course, the Suns. They're on tonight. They start at 7 o'clock. Uh, you'll hear it here right here. 98-7 in the Arizona Sports app. And um, we're live across the street from Footprint Center, and we're going to be here until 6.30. We've had conversations galore about this team and about what we're going to be looking for, and we've got bonus coverage, so we're on until 6.30, so we're going to have a lot of Suns talk from here until the pregame show. Devin Booker is a player. There's a great article about him today on the PHNX website from Gerald Bourget, the Suns beat writer. said, look, it was a miserable offseason for everybody on the Suns except for Devin Booker. He had a great offseason. All-NBA first team, fourth in the MVP voting, Supermax contract. He's on the cover of his favorite video game, which is an honor that these players take sure, very, they very love seriously. That. Absolutely. They love it, right? And it kind of dove into the question, what... What can Devin Booker's game do to grow? What, what what else is there for Devin Booker? He's only he's still 26 years old. Yeah, he's still yeah. so young. What else is left for him to do in this? I, I think that ultimately, I think ultimately when. Chris Paul is no longer on this team. There will be a level of growth that he's going to have to take to lose one of the greatest point guards, the point god, that he's going to have to grow into it because whoever replaces Chris Paul is not going to be as good a point guard. They might be good, might be younger, they might be dynamic, but they're probably not going to be as good as Chris. So I think this to say a guy can't grow at his age, yeah, he can still get to the free throw line more, yep. and he can still work on being a better defensive player, and he can continue to work on closing out games like the great players do. I think ultimately there will be continued growth for him when when Chris is no longer with the team, because then it's okay. Like you know, your you know, your 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 the Batman and Robin thing could be gone. Now maybe there'll be a new 
person that's the Batman and Robin with him, uh, but I think that's where the majority the major the majority of his growth will come. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about some of the great teams in the NBA right now, are, are, and are obviously Book and Paul are a duo, but when you think about the great teams in the NBA, you think about the Bucks, you think about Giannis, you know, Chris Middleton's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but you think about Giannis. When you think about the Sixers, you think about Embiid, you know. The Celtics, okay, you probably think about both of them. You think about Jalen Brown, Brown and, and Jason Tatum, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. But when you think about the Heat, you think about Jimmy Butler. When you think about the Lakers, probably both. But the point I'm trying to make, and I'm not doing a great job of it, obviously, <laughs> is, that, is that I think for most teams, they identify themselves with the one guy. Can Devin Booker be the one guy? Can he be Giannis for the Suns? You know, can he be Embiid for the Suns? Right now, it's very much a Batman Tim, Tim and Duncan. Robin. Right. You had Ginobili and Parker, but it was Duncan. It was Duncan. Tim right? Duncan was the guy. Yeah. I mean, it was Kobe. Dirk for the, all those years yeah. with Dallas. It was, it was Kirk. Kobe and Gasol. But come on, it was Kobe. It was right? Kobe. With, it, yeah. Can, After can, Shaq left, can Devin Booker? Because the day is coming, probably sooner than any of us want, where Chris Paul's not going to be an effective part of this battle basketball team and not going to be on this team. Can Devin Booker elevate his game, to your point, to that level of, I'm the man. This is We're still going to be great because I'm here and I'm great. And that's the big question, I think, for him. Yeah, and I think you've got time because I think Chris is going to play this year and, and, and he could play next year. His contract is partially guaranteed. Half of it's guaranteed for next year. I would expect that he plays next year. But after that, then, you know, it all depends on what they do. You know, they're, they're setting themselves up. Look, they've got a plan. They know what they they have good ideas of what they want to do when Chris isn't with this team anymore because they've got they still have Mikhail and they'll hopefully have Cam and they've got DA and you got Book and you got to have a chance to win. But to sit there at, at his age, twenty six years old, and think that there's not a lot more to do to grow. Look, we we said it when he made the All Star team. He's finally made it. Okay, now now he could be a perennial All Star. He could be that guy that's in every year with a great with great players. Once they make that first one, it's almost like just pencil him in. All NBA first team, second team, third team. Like I think that that's who Devin Booker is now for the majority of his career going forward. Yeah, if we're nitpicking, and it is a little bit of nitpicking, I'd like to see him get to the line a little bit more. I'd like to see him get to the rim a little bit more, create a little more contact on his way, and get those. And the story points out, rightfully so, that Chris has kind of taken that from him a little bit, right? Like it, it just isn't the same because um, it's much more pick and roll and. Other guys are rolling to the basket. It's not so much Devin Booker going to the basket. I'd like to see him kind of re- regain that aggression a little bit. Um, last year, I thought he needed to improve his three-point shooting. He did. He shot a career high last year from the three-point line. And this idea about being a better finisher, I'm really torn on this one because we think about how he finished against the Mavs, and it was awful. He was 9-31 to in Game 6 and Game 7. But then I think about how he finished against the Bucks back-to-back 40-point games in the NBA Finals. I mean, I don't know if you can get much more clutch than that. So, I mean, does he need to be able to take over more consistently late in games? Probably. But I certainly think he's capable of it. I certainly think he's done it. Just because he's he th- didn't he, do it against yeah. Dallas doesn't mean he can't or hasn't. No, the, he he's always been able to do it. But a lot of the games early in his career, they, 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 like the season didn't matter, the games didn't matter. Yeah. The bubble mattered. We all remember him with the shot against the Clippers. Like, that's the that's the iconic Devin Booker moment on the ground with after Kawhi and Paul were in his face and he hits the big shot. He's always been able to close, but you're also playing now with one of the one of the other great closes in the history of the game. So it's always a matter of like who's going to close out the game. Is it Chris? Is it Devin? Which is guys? It's, it's is it going to be? There's more growth. I think defensively he's he's respectable now, but he's not great by any stretch no. of the imagination. He's not a great defensive player. He he battles his leadership is good. It's solid. I don't think that that's an issue, but to think that that there's not room to grow, of course there's room to grow. I mean, nobody said that, you know, at 26, was Michael Jordan done growing? Was LeBron done growing at 26? No, there was a lot more to go. No. But I think you, what you want to just continue to prove 
just consistently. Consistency. Year in and year out, I'm going to be this guy. I'm going to be one of the best players in the NBA year in and year out. That takes a lot of work. You can't take that for granted. And I think that he's willing to do that. I think something, too, to keep an eye on, if we really are entering this era where they're going to downshift a little on Chris and he's not going to bring up the ball and he's going to kind of stand in the corner and be an option, point book, and I, I know that's a phrase that gets thrown around so much, but him initiating the offense, running the offense, seeing the offense, I believe he had a career-best assist-to-turnover ratio last year for the Suns. That You talk about growing his game when Chris Paul's not on this roster anymore. Boy, that's it, right? Like Devin Booker as the James Harden-like, all-encompassing guy, floor general for the Suns when Harden was at his peak doing it. That's probably that next thing for him to do, I would think, when Chris isn't Well, here. I think the organization is going to have to make a choice at some point. I mean, do you go get like a or just a Ricky Rubio type guy and and spend your money wisely on, on wing players? Or do you try to go get that Shea Gilgis Alexander to team with Book? Yeah. Because if you go get that, just that, you know, that, that, that mediocre middle of the pack point guard, then you're going to rely on Book to carry to take care to take the ball at times. That's a really good point. Uh, we've got the Burns and Gembo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. We've got bonus Burns and Gambo coming up because we've got pregame coverage that starts at 630. When we come back, we've heard of bold predictions. You want really bold? We'll give you really bold when it comes to the Phoenix Suns next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, live at the Ainsworth Downtown on Sunday, presented by Michelob Ultra. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, the boys are back in town starting tonight. Uh, you don't mean the Mavericks, do you? No, I meant the Suns. Oh, yes, the Mavericks are back, back Maver- in town, too. The Mavericks are back in town, too. I, I was I was talking about the Suns. Spread the word around. Yeah, Look Suns. who's back in town. Suns are back in action tonight. The season opener, an hour from right now. Now, we're still with you on the air here on Burns and Gambo because we call this uh, bonus Burns and Gambo. We're with you until 6.30 when we've got these 7 o'clock games, and we're happy to be here with you, especially since we're right across the street from Footprint Center. As soon as, the ga- as, soon as our show is done, you and I are going to head over there and see what the Suns got in game one of 82 tonight against the team that humiliated them last year in game six and game seven. Humiliated them, really, in that whole series outside the first two games. And it, it, it was a crazy series because after the first two games, you know, I remember sitting there and saying, I remember my line was um, the, the Mavericks are playing chess with the Queen and a bunch of pawns because all they had was Luka. Nobody, Maxi Kleber wasn't doing, Dane Weddy wasn't doing anything, Bronson was wasn't doing anything. Down. He didn't do anything. I mean, and I, that's what I remember thinking. Like, they're, they're, and the Mavericks came out to their credit, and they got the series back here, and then they won. Uh, you know, they they you know they won that game seven, game six, and seven were just you know the the Suns had the lead, I believe, in game six for a little bit, but the Mavs won that game, and in game seven they just absolutely blew them out. We almost couldn't believe what we were watching. Yeah, no, we couldn't. I, I'll I, I think as long as I live, I'll never forget Game 7 being in that building and and thinking, okay, the series has been quirky, weird, strange. The Suns have been dominated at times, but... But they'll do it. They'll do it. They'll it's do Game it. 7 at home. They're the better team. Tonight will be that they'll, they'll finally put them away. And for them to get, it's just flat out, straight up humiliated the way they did. And I think, in part, honestly, we've seen in preseason predictions a lot of skepticism about the Suns this year. Like, a lot of people think they're going to take a step back and they're not going to be as good. We've got some predictions and some, frankly, very bold predictions that we're going to get into in a second. And I think part of the reason why people are predicting kind of a downfall for the Suns, or at least a downshift for the Suns, is in part based on how the season ended against the Mavs. It yeah. was, it was it, There's that. The Sarver distraction. The Jay Crowder hasn't been traded. The, you know, the not getting Kevin Durant. The DeAndre Ayton situation. All of that stuff is kind of led to this 
idea that the Suns, some people around the league think the Suns are in for a real fall. I mean, like still a 50-win basketball team, but the fifth seed in the West, the fourth seed in the West, and not nearly elite enough to win a championship. Hardly anybody. Well, hardly anybody's picking them to go to the NBA Finals. Okay, let me, let me ask, and this is, a, this is a weird way of looking at it. Okay. Would you book a vacation right now in advance during the NBA Finals? No, I would not. Last year, you wouldn't have. No. This year, would you? No. You would not? I would not. Just to be sure. Just to be sure. Nope. I we never guess. had to worry about that in the past. Ever. <laughs> never. No. Never. Never. Like, we went 10 years without having to worry about that. Then all of a sudden, the Suns are in the NBA Finals, and I'm in Italy. I'm like, what's well, okay? <laughs> I'd, like, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And that obviously, the pandemic pushed everything further back, and the time frame wasn't the same. But even last year, it was like, let me look at what in the NBA Finals are before I set up any vacations. Look. I still think they're capable. I, I don't think they're going to. I think that the return of Kawhi makes them the favorite in the West with the Clippers. I think the Nuggets are going to be very, very good. But I think this. I, I do think people are selling the Suns a little bit short. Are they going to take a step back? Inevitably. They won 64 games last year. They're not improving off of that, I don't think. I, I think they're bound to take a step back. But a step back so far that I would say, yep, I'm going to Italy during the NBA Finals because I know for sure the Suns aren't going to be in it. Hell no. Hell no. They're still good. They're still too good to do that to. So I won't do it. June 1st through the NBA Finals, Game 7 would be June 18th. It usually ends around Father's Day, middle of June. June 18th would be Game 7 of the NBA Finals. I won't do it. Won't do it. Are you? You've got that mischievous grin on your face. No, like I don't know. Might. I mean, I like. I don't think that they're an NBA Finals team right now. But I, I said this when we did our 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 pieces for ArizonaSports.com. I don't think that the team taking the court tonight is going to resemble the team that takes the court for the first game of the playoffs. I think you're right. There's going to be a Jay Crowder trade. There's going to be a uh, a taxpayer exception used. There's going to be, you know, guys that are bought out that come to Phoenix. There's probably going to be a James Jones trade. Like, I, because I don't think they're going to, you know, I, I think that come the trade deadline, James is going to be like, I got to do something here. So I don't think that the team team will it'll look very similar but i think there'll be some some serious changes to the roster by the time of playoffs yeah start. i tend to think you're right now as it relates specifically to tonight uh what we know landry shamit's not going to play no. he's been ruled out uh one of the top options off the bench in a bench that's going to look really different with cam johnson starting now and obviously no jake crowder so that's going to be a big change for tonight maxi kleba was questionable for the game but it sounds like he's going to go sounds like he's going to play i've been told he's going to play tonight okay so from an injury standpoint, those are the two things we have to keep an eye on. Of course, we're going to keep an eye on Aiton and Cam Johnson as a starter, and, and I know you'll keep real track of the bench and substitution who's patterns, and yeah. who's playing with who and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I'm always fascinated by that. Well, I, spe- I think especially this year is a good year to be fascinated by that because it's going to be really different. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't think they have nearly enough on the bench. So how Monty covers that up, you know, by playing starters with bench guys and how he mixes and matches, I think will be really interesting to watch because I, I think their bench is really weak. Really weak this year. Maybe I'm wrong. How many minutes they're... does Landale get compared to Bismack Biombo? How often is campaign and Dario Sarge on the court together? Right. Like just stuff that, it, that you know, you I, I like to see because I think there's a lot of trends that come out of it. Uh, and you really got to, I think that's how you really get a feel for what Monty's thinking too is looking at those substitution patterns. Now usually when you get a story and it's headlined bold predictions for the upcoming season. I'll be honest with you, they're not bold. They're like kind of bold. They're like, eh, okay, well, you, you went out on a little bit of a limb on that one. But and there were a bunch of stories like that today. 32 predictions for the NBA season. Hey, DeAndre Ayton's going to average 20-plus points per game. Yeah, right. Uh, that's fine. That's, that's not bold. That's so bold. NBA champions, Denver Nuggets. No offense, that's not that bold. Jamal Murray's back. They've been a playoff team every year the last couple of years. Okay. Uh, not that bold. It's a little uh, bold, but not too bold. No. NBA predictions for the for the championship MVP. What team will be the biggest disappointment this season? The Phoenix Suns was the... Again, not that bold. You want bold? I present to you the ringer. And there, which does an incredible job covering the NBA, they have a lot of good, a lot of good stuff on there. A lot of, I mean, they 
Yeah. Really good covering the NBA. 19 increase. Okay. I'm reading the headline here, and it makes a little sense to me. 19 increasingly bold selections for the season. So they're getting. So, like. Prediction one isn't as bold as prediction two, and the boldness goes up with each prediction. Prediction 16, the Phoenix Suns will trade, wait for it, Chris Paul. Okay, that is by far the biggest, boldest prediction they have on that entire thing. By far. Nothing's close to it. We looked at the whole list. Yeah. Some of them are kind of bold. Some of them are interesting. Nothing. I mean, it's like I joked earlier. It's like having 16 different salsas in front of me, and I'm doing a taste test. Mild, 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 medium, medium. My tongue is burning. <laughs> right? My tongue. The Suns are going to trade Chris it, Paul. It would have to take a collapse of epic proportions. This team would have to be so far out of it. You, you know, you mentioned it would have to be an incredible like injury that derails the season, or this team just comes out of the gate and man, it's just not right. The vibe, it's just <laughs> the vibe, man, the vibe, the the the, the ownership, the the Jay Crowder situation, DeAndre and Monty have a flare up, and they're back to being arch enemies. And it would have to be <laughs> so bad because I can't, you know. As long as you sit in that, you know, top four or five seeds, you're not going to trade Chris Paul. You would have to. Now, this even mentions two teams that would want him: the Clippers and the Lakers. But more than anything, it would take a. You know, this team would have to be about a 500 basketball team at the trade deadline. You're like, we're done. Like this doesn't work anymore. This team, the way it's constructed, doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it's bold. I'll give you that. I don't think it's going to happen unless something just like you say catastrophic. James Harden got traded last year. Did anybody think that was? going to happen with the Nets? No. No. But season started. No Kyrie. Yeah, James. Did you think James Harden was going to get dealt? If it, if it happens, I'll give the ringer, who, again, does a really good job covering the NBA. I give him all the credit in the world. It just seems so very unlikely. All right, when we come back here on Burns and Gambo, bonus Burns and Gambo, it's always a pleasure to catch up with our next guest because he's always kind enough to join us this close to game time. John Bloom, Suns broadcaster, will help us preview the season and preview tonight next here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Birds and Gambo, live at the Ainsworth downtown on Sunday. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So here in about 15 minutes, Gambo and I are going to pack everything up and head into the Footprint Center. We're right across the street at the Ainsworth. And uh, we appreciate everybody who has come by and said hi to us. We've met a lot of nice folks. We've met a big family from Sydney, Australia. Big Suns fans came all the way from down under to go to tonight's Suns opener. Suns and D-backs. Suns, D-backs, Rams. I went over to talk to them. They love American sports. Oh, good for oh family. Oh, Suns, D-backs, Rams. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, I know that our next guest is also uh, a big fan of local sports because we have him on all the time. And loves the Rams. Huh? And he loves the Rams, too, like the Sydney, Australia. Oh, the Sydney, Australia guy? Yeah. I thought you were talking about John Bloom. No, he loves the Rams, too. John, you like the Rams? Nope. <laughs> Which Rams? Are we talking Colorado State? What are we doing? Uh, you know, the, the football team in South no, the Animal. That the one? Animal. The, the oh, animal. the animal itself. The animal, the Rams. You know, never yeah. met one. <laughs> but, but the L.A. Rams, no? Not your, not your jam? John? Not my favorite squad, no question. What's it feel like to be back at the arena for a real game? Oh, Gambo, thank goodness Hoops is back. Thank goodness for basketball. Basketball opening night. I mean, uh, look, this is uh, this has been an off season to forget for a lot of reasons uh, for Phoenix Suns fans. It's been a longer off season than I think a lot of people were hoping for, and so for that reason, uh, thank goodness we could turn the page and uh, and turn it to a, a whiteout tonight. We got shirts all over the place. Everybody walking in and getting a, a We Are the Valley shirt for uh, opening tonight against the Mavs. Tonight. Well, uh, you know, let me be the first to bring it up uh, since New Orleans is beating Brooklyn by like. 30 30. Let's start. Let's restart the Kevin Durant to Phoenix right now. <laughs> You're going there. down by like 30 at home to the Pelicans. This is going to be an ongoing story. I mean, I think everybody's going to have a magnifying glass on Brooklyn. They're going to be looking at Golden State as the defending champs, of course. And at the same time, it seems like the attention has kind of waned here in the Valley, and I'm not mad at that. I don't know how you guys feel about it, because I know you're tasked with coming up with expectations and, and your predictions for the season and all that fun stuff. But when you look around, not a lot of love for this basketball team, and I happen to believe that they're still built to win basketball games and win and play at a very high level. So I'm excited to see what unfolds. I, I don't. I think it's part.
partly because they really didn't do that much in the offseason, and plus they lost McGee, and as of right now, they've lost Jay Crowder, and um, and the guys that they added are not that ca- those caliber players. Hey, whoa. Oh, we're, we're not, not done so yet. fast. Not I, I, easy, thanks, good night, everybody. Easy back there, Mitch. <laughs> and, 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 I know you want to get home, but we still have a few minutes with Bloomer, Mitch. Slow down. Slow Z- roll. Zion with New Orleans. Jamal Murray's back. Uh, Kawhi's back. I, th- I think it's a I think it's a testament to just how good the West is as to why the Suns aren't getting as much love as they did last year. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I just, you know, look, they could take a 10-game backslide and still win 54, and that wouldn't be uh, preposterous. In fact, you know, you do those exercises, I think they're futile most of the time, but I did end up at 53 in my own little, you know, work, uh, but, you know, just guessing win or loss as I went through the schedule, but I think it's going to be a fun season. I, I, You know, yeah, there's a lot of folks right now that probably just want to hit the fast-forward button, skip What do you have them the doing playoffs. tonight, winning or losing? Tonight? It's a W, yeah, you had, man. Tonight's you got a W dub. tonight? Oh, okay, yeah. I just wanted to check. I mean, you got 53 oh, yeah. wins. Yeah, you tonight's got 20... a dub. It might, you know, look, they played against the Mavericks in that series. There was not a close game, was there? No. I mean, let's let's talk about it. There was not a single close game. The Suns waxed the Mavs here in Phoenix all three times. And everybody talks about six and seven. Well, seven was not the Suns waxing the Mavs. That was the reverse. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, when the Suns had the Mavs number, it wasn't close. And then obviously at the end, the Mavs had the Suns number. So I wouldn't be surprised if we had another one of those boat races here tonight. Uh, and I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of reason why the Suns aren't getting a lot of love. And I, I think it's it's like we like to pie chart things here on the Burns and Gambo show. I'm not sure what has the bigger slice of pie. Is it what the other teams around the West have done and the guys they've gotten back? Or, is you know, as we talk about it, let's, let's, let's talk about it. The Suns offseason had a really weird, uncomfortable feel to it. From sure. top to bottom, everything about it just felt like it didn't quite go the way anybody wanted or the way anybody thought it should. That said, I'm with you. I still think it's a very good basketball team, and I don't mind that they're not getting the love. I don't mind that they're not getting the attention. That I'm, I'm fine with that. I still think they're good. The, the question, the biggest question I have going into this this season is the bench. They're, you know, the rotation. What does it look like? Who's the, who are the big contributors? Who does James go get at the trade deadline? What happens in a Jay Crowder trade? Gambo and I were just talking about it in the last segment, John. I, I think there's a lot yet to be determined about this roster and who's on it and who's doing what. And I think until we know what this roster is going to completely look like, it's really hard to know for sure what they're going to do. No doubt. No doubt. And and at the same time, let's talk about the kinds of questions that the Suns are trying to answer. And you just brought a few of them up. Mainly, they're focusing on the second unit because this starting five we're all familiar with. I mean, Cam Johnson's been called the sixth starter by Monty Williams for the last couple of years. It's nothing new for him, even though it is kind of new for him. What it is going to be is a new uh, second unit, and it might involve more of that starting group than we've been used to. Maybe yes. a little bit more sliding with the rotations. I know Gamble loves his rotations. He's got the pen ready, probably, uh, to write down who's first off the bench and all that stuff. But that's going to be a fascinating thing for us to watch unfold over the first few weeks of the season. And I do want to give it a few weeks, not just like five, six games. I think that's fair, maybe even a month or two. And then, uh, you know, you're right. There's trades that could still happen and likely will still happen. That's why I say this team is built to win. It isn't just built to win tonight. They're built to win long term because James has kept a lot of flexibility. It's it's phenomenal how much flexibility he's been able to keep on a team that's coming off a 64-win season, for crying out loud. So, yes, it, it felt awful the way it ended, and this is probably the toughest to, to start a season trying to get rid of that taste. You, you talk about two years ago, hoping to make the playoffs. What did they do? Ran all the way to the NBA Finals and blew our minds. Then the expectations shot through the roof, and we all expect a championship or bust, and they fell short. Now, here we are watching this same team for the most part, and I know I'm not trying to shrug my shoulders and say JaVale McGee and Jay Crowder don't matter. They did matter to that group. I just think that James, Monty, everybody is going to find the solutions that makes this group even better. Yeah, I, I think I'm, you know, I, I am fascinated by the rotations and the substitutions and all and everything like that because, you know, they they didn't do anything that significant to me in the offseason because then a lot of it has to do with that they were waiting for KD. I mean, a lot of, if they were going to get KD, everything was going to change. You know, they, they were going to look for defensive minded players. They wouldn't have needed another scorer. So I think they made those small little moves and 
and we'll see if they work out. Listen, we were all impressed by by Jack Landau and how he played in the preseason, and I can't wait to see what he does tonight. I mean, how efficiently does he shoot the, the, the three? Who does he play with? Does he get to the rim? Because he seemed like a guy that could really help them. Yeah, I agree, and, and you know, the coaches just keep talking about him, Gambo. They, they really are impressed with what they have. They're not necessarily talking about him in a way where this guy's going to turn into an all-star, but just that they really are excited to have him uh, and be able to figure out where they're going to use him because, again, you're still wondering how big of a role Dario Saric might play with this team. And they are also putting a little bit more on campaign this season and hoping he can bounce back to his you know prior form to where he can be that scoring punch off the bench. And I think that's a healthy expectation, too, for this basketball team. Just make that unit stronger. Uh, and, and that's the one that we're all questioning right now, talking about that second unit. So of all those players, who who is the one... What are you most curious to start watching tonight? What is, what is John Bloom watching for tonight? Ooh. All right, I'm going to take the easy way out, and I'm going to go the big fella, DeAndre Ayton. And it's not because I want to see him go for 40 and 30, all right? That's preposterous. He could still have an 18-point, 8-rebound game, and I could be jumping out of my seat because it's the impact plays that he makes early to set the tone against this Dallas Mavericks team and remind him what he can do. He's the difference in, in the matchups when you look at it from the Suns standpoint uh, because there's nobody over there. JaVale McGee can do some nice things defensively, but I think DeAndre knows how to play against him. They, they definitely went toe-to-toe a handful of times of practice, and that's going to be a fun thing to watch tonight. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the battle in the middle. Bloomer, don't ever forget, there's no easy way out. <laughs> thinking no, the same thing. No easy way out. No, thinking the same thing. Ever, there's no shortcut. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever <laughs> no shortcut home, Bloomer. All right. Take a long way. There's no shortcut home. The best bad movie of all time, Rocky IV. All right, Bloomer, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, we'll enjoy listening to you tonight, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you real soon. Thank you for uh, carving out a few minutes for us. We appreciate it. Happy opening night, everybody. Hi, uh, Bloomer. John Bloom, he will be one of the Suns broadcasters this year, calling games on the road. He'll be the voice you hear next after us here on the Burns and Gambo Show, getting you ready for the Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. Now, programming reminder, um, and I'm sorry to bring this up. As I'm coughing my guts out, no show for us tomorrow. Card pregame. We'll be back Friday. We'll be back Friday, straight up 2 o'clock. We're out of here. We'll see you then, Friday afternoon, here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.